All right. Well, hello, you amazing masked people. It's good to see you. Hello, everybody at home who's thinking, I'm glad I'm not those people left to wear masks for all the Smith talking. Uh, but man, appreciate you guys who are at home eating your golden grams on your couch and your jammies with your coffee. Sounds kind of fun. Uh, and I appreciate you guys are here uh, with us. For those who are at home watching this, right? Like this week, there's a few people who I've not seen in past weeks kind of trickling back in. And maybe what some folks at home are wondering is, man, what does it look like when we would come here, right? Like, what's the feel? And maybe in the coming weeks, we can try to snap a photo. I could be like, you know, uh, Bono from U2 and like do a roving camera through the crowd. But if you were to join us, what do you see right now in the room in front of me are 70 plus people with chairs way spread out. Everybody has on amazing blue or yellow or custom-made masks, um, and there's a great energy. And so if you're kind of teetering on what does it look like, does it feel weird, it does feel a little different, uh, but it also feels okay. And so we want to continue to let you know what it might look like for you at home who come back uh, like the folks here. But we understand everybody's at a different place on this and a uh, different level of comfort. So just appreciate all of you who are still praying for Calvary, connecting with Calvary, uh, supporting what God's doing here through your resources. So thanks for that. I'm excited what he has for us in his word as always, right? It's a great privilege to come and no matter where we find ourselves in our days or in our lives, God's word still speaks into that. And so I'm going to pray and then we're going to press into what he's got for us this morning. Father, uh, thank you for the opportunity to come and open your word. Thank you that it is timely and relevant. Thank you that the impact and challenges and encouragements have nothing to do with the person who's preaching throughout our country today, but Lord, the power is in your word, and so it's a privilege to open up your word, and I pray that your spirit will work, whether folks are watching this uh, on screens or here in person, Father, will you work for your purposes so that we know you better, so that we understand you more, um, and we're thankful for that, and we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you tuned in last week or were here last week, we kind of kicked off the sermon with a few questions, right? And we're going to kind of do that again this week because I think whether you're not a Christian or maybe you've been a Christian for a couple months, maybe you've been a Christian for a bunch of decades, all of us, no matter where we are in that, we, we all have different questions about faith, about religion, and, and maybe you've been at a point or maybe you're at a point today or trying to grow in your faith and you're just thinking, man, I just wish I could know what God wants for me. Maybe you're sitting here thinking, I just, if there's things that God wants me to know about him, if there's truths about him, if there's things that he wants me to know and understand, maybe you've sometimes thought, I just wish he could lay it out clearly, right? Like, maybe he could text me that. That'd be really helpful. And, and whether you're a newer Christian, more mature Christian, not a Christian, sometimes all of us have questions about that. And sometimes all of us, uh, we know God's words there, and we're like, man, I just, I want to read it, I want to study it, I want to stand up, but man, I want to know clearly some things about God, about who He is, and what He wants me to know about Him. And so today, we have a great opportunity because if you've ever asked that question, if you've ever wanted to know more about God or just wish He would reveal things just clearly to you about what He wants you to know, well, this morning in the text that we're pressing into, He does that. And what we're doing is we're working our way through the book of Ephesians. If you're new and checking us out online, just clicking into it or been here, man, one of our kind of hallmarks, distinctions, is we open up a book of the Bible and we work our way through that book. And then when we end it, we open up another one. And along the way, we think about questions like, what difference does it make? What does it have to do with me? We started a while ago, a couple weeks ago, a book uh, in Ephesians. And today, where we are, we're in a part of a prayer that the pastor, a pastor is praying for that church. And Paul is the pastor, and he's thinking about this church, and he's praying certain things for them. 
and there's things that he wants them to know and understand, and that prayer is inspired by God, things that God wants the people in that church to know about him are the very things Paul's praying that the people in that church will know and understand. And so this morning, man, we're going to take a look at that prayer. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. We're in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15, because last week we ended up in verse 14. And last week, if you were here or checked us out online, we threw out this challenge, right? We kind of saw five reasons for hope, and we threw the challenge out there that, hey, there's five days of the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, pick one of the challenges each day of the week and think about that. And I'm not like the mask police, nor am I like, did you do that last week? But kind of Monday morning came and I thought, well, you know what, I'm like, I told people they should do that, so like, I should lead by example. So throughout last week, I kind of did. I spent some time carving out some time in the mornings to kind of focus on and meditate on each of those five truths, and it was encouraging for me, and uh, maybe if some of you did that, maybe it was an encouragement for you. And I just say that because last week what I said was this, is we're in a unique season where we can do a lot of stuff online, we can do some things here, but we don't have as many opportunities here to teach and to learn and to grow, and so that's a great opportunity for you and for me to do a little more self-feeding, right? To do a little more in our own time trying to understand God and know God. And we threw that opportunity out last week and um, maybe some of you availed yourself of this. This week we're in verse 15 and here's what we're gonna see. We're gonna see one kind of big idea and then we're gonna see four things that God wants us to know and think about some applications through each of those. One big idea, some things that God wants us to know and then some applications for each. So let's jump into it. And what's kind of this big idea that I wanna start with this morning? Well, here's what Paul says in verse 15. He's, he's now moving into this prayer and he says, for this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayer. What Paul's doing is he's writing to these people and he's saying, man, guys, I'm praying for you, right? I'm praying for you. Now, this is where, like, if it was a normal Sunday and you had your free cup of adequate baronet coffee, I would tell you to take a sip of coffee to stick with me for a minute. You at home, man, you could grab a swig of coffee and we're all jealous of you, but grab a metaphorical sip of coffee because we got to understand this. Paul is praying certain things for the people to know. These are things that God wants them to know about himself. And what Paul is doing is this. He's saying, okay, man, there's things that God wants you to know about who he is. I am praying for those things. I am asking God himself to make known to you the very things that God wants you to know. There's things that God wants the people in Ephesus to know. There's things that God wants us to know about who he is. Paul is praying that those people will understand things, and essentially what Paul is praying and what Paul is doing is this, okay, God, there's things you want them to know, so God, I am asking you to help them know those things, to help them understand those things. Things. What God wants the people to do are the very things that Paul is asking God to help the people be able to do. Uh, as I'm getting older, Christmas mornings, when, when the kids were younger, we always wanted our kids to, uh, man, be kind to their siblings. Kind of seems like a baseline parenting thing, right? If you don't want anything else, at least don't murder any of your family members. We wanted our kids to be kind to each other, and we thought, man, when there's birthdays, when there's special events, we'd love for our kids, when they're little toddler age-ish, elementary, to get in the habit of giving each other presents. Um, now my kids are mostly all teenagers, a couple in college, and Christmas morning, I'm like, 
I'm like a weepy old sap, right? I don't know if it's the Irish in me or the Italian wannabe coming out, but like when my kids give each other a present now, I'm like weeping on Saturday morning. It's like, oh, Christmas morning, they love each other. But when they were younger, right, Casey and I, my wife, we wanted our kids to be able to do that. So when they were in first or second grade, what we would do is we'd say, hey, little kid, here's what we want you to do. We want you to do this thing. We want you to buy a present for your sibling. And so here's five bucks for you to go shop at the dollar bin at Target, right? We wanted them to be able to do something, but we gave them the resources. We gave them the ability to then go out and do the very thing we wanted them to do. And in much the same way, what we see at the beginning of this prayer is that, man, what God wants Christians to know and what God wants Christians to do God himself is the one who provides the resources ultimately for those to do those things. Uh, St. Augustine, kind of, I'm paraphrasing his phrase, but this old church father kind of said this thing, man, what God wants, God provides. So, So why is that important, right? Why have I spent however many minutes talking about that? Well, it's significant because we, as we go along in today's sermon, we're, we're gonna see some applications. We're going to see some things that God wants us to know, and then we're going to think about, okay, how do we press into those things? But I think we really need to be careful. Whenever we talk about applications, what we do, man, the Christian life is not about you mustering up enough strength to try as hard as you can to please God. It's not about you on your own energy, through your own efforts, all alone, ultimately in your own power, doing what God wants. The Christian life is understanding that God wants certain things of us and God wants us to know things and act in certain ways. And we have to have some skin in the game, but ultimately God is the one who gives us the ability and the resources to do those things. And so you know what we do? We pray, right? And here's kind of the big first idea. God, God ultimately gives to us what God wants us to have. So pray for those things. We're going to see a handful of things that God wants us to know. And man, the big overarching idea is, man, so you know what we can do? We can pray throughout the week that, God, will you help me to know these things? Would you help me to understand these things? God ultimately gives to us what God wants us to have. So as we think about application, let's pray for those things. So what's the first thing that God wants us to know? What's the first thing that you and I can pray that God will help us know and grasp better? Well, let's look at what Paul says. We've already read it, but let me kind of... We read 15 and 16. For this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you. Because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I do not stop to give thanks for you. The word faith there, it refers to, man, their saving faith in Jesus, but also their faith as they live their life and who God is and what he's going to do for them. And the second thing that Paul is thankful for is his love, right? Two things, their faith and their love. Their faith and their love. And I love, there's little words matter in the Bible. You know what he specifies their love? He says the love for all the saints. Not just love for people in your church that you like. Not just love for people who you enjoy getting a greasy omelet with at the Galaxy Diner. But, man, you guys love all the saints, even the people who annoy you, even the people in your church body who irritate you, you have love for those people. 
Here's the first thing that Paul prays that these guys will know and understand and what God is wanting Christians to know is that God values a Christian's faith and love. God values a Christian's faith and love. And there's another little interesting word that's really important here. How did Paul know about their faith and love? How did Paul know about their faith and love? Well, he says, because I have heard. I have heard. Here's what that's saying. What it's saying is, man, people in Ephesus, the Christians in Ephesus, were living their lives in such a way that their beliefs, their theology of the truth, and their love were evident to people. When people would like talk about, oh yeah, my neighbor, man, he goes to the church at Ephesus. That guy, dude, he knows about Jesus. He knows truth, but he is one of the kindest, most loving people. When someone would visit the church of Ephesus and would leave like a Yelp review or a Google review, it wouldn't be about the coffee was stale and I couldn't find a pencil. It would be like, man, those people are clinging to truth, but man, they're also loving. Faith and love, and I guess the kind of the question is, Those were the word of mouth. That was the word on the street about these people. What what are the things that people are saying about you? When the name Peter Smith comes up, what have people heard about me? What's the word on the street about me when your name comes up? By your neighbors, by your coworkers, by your family members. What words are being said about you when people think about Calvary Church, us collectively? What are they hearing about us? Are they hearing about you or are they hearing about me that, man, that person, they don't necessarily understand at all, but, man, they have a faith that's genuine, and, man, they're kind. They're loving. It's really interesting to see that faith and love are combined. He's thanking them and thank God, you know, for both of those things. Faith mixed with love, love mixed with faith. Here's why that's important. When you rip those two things apart, it doesn't always end up well. Sometimes there may be people who have great faith. They have great theology. They know all the truth. Man, high on that spectrum, but they don't have any love. And you know what sometimes happens with people like that? Lots of truth, lots of theology, no love. Man, they can kind of sometimes be grumpy. They can become angry. They can become these little legalistic heresy hunters who are dogmatic about the most minute part of the Bible, and they're just bitter, angry people. That sometimes happens when we have theology and truth without any love. But it's just as dangerous to have love that's not linked with any truth. Because then it's kind of like rainbows and fluffy clouds and sentimentality. And everything's okay. It's all okay, but that's not linked with anything. That's actually deceptive. That's actually not loving. The goal is to combine faith and truth and theology with, man, love for everyone and grace towards everyone and compassion towards everyone and kindness towards everything, and you marry those two things together. And so here's the application to pull out of that as you think about your own story, as you think about the way you conduct yourself, as you think about faith, truth, theology, and then love, man, are there just one of those areas that you can build into? 
Maybe you are absolutely, you have tons of people across all sorts of spectrums and you show them the love of Jesus, which is amazing. But maybe you need to ground yourself in some truth a little bit. That doesn't mean you become unloving. It just means you ground yourself in something that you perceive to be true. Or maybe you've grounded yourself in truth, but you're just not kind to somebody. You're not loving. You're grumpy. As we think about the application, is there one of these areas that I can work on improving, that you can work on improving, that that we wed these things together? That's something that maybe we can pray that God will enable us to do. What's, What's the second thing that God wants us to know, right? He wants us to know this idea that, man, God values a Christian's faith and love. What's the second thing? Well, we see it in the next clause of the verse, verse 17. He's continuing to tell these people what he's praying for. And he says, I'm praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. I'm praying, right, that the Holy Spirit will help you grow in the knowledge of God. The word knowledge there, really interesting. It's not the word you use for facts or trivia or information. The word knowledge there is the word you use when you have a friendship, when you know someone in a relationship type concept. Right, not mere knowledge of facts about God, but what God wants, what Paul's praying for, man, is I want these people to actually know God. I don't want them to simply know facts about me and information about me and trivia about me. I want them to know me. If this was baseball season, which it's not, there would be a plethora of people in this room who, man, you'd be, you'd be all about the Yankees, you'd be all about the Red Sox, right? And you would have your, ooh, whoa, charismatic revival broke out at that, right? You, you'd be in one of those two teams and you would have your players and you would know every single fact about some players on those teams. If you're a Yankees fan, you're going to know facts about so many. You're going to know where they played their, you know, minor league ball. You're going to know where they're from. You're going to know their ERA, you get to know all these facts. You get to know how many like eggs they eat before a baseball game for protein. You, you get to know all the facts about your favorite baseball player, but, but you don't know that person. You don't have a relationship with that person. You never grabbed a coffee or a meal with that person. There's a difference between knowing facts about somebody and then knowing somebody. Knowing facts about God is hugely important, hugely important. And knowing those facts about God are to be a catalyst to help us then know God better. We need to know facts about God, but those facts are supposed to be a tool. They're supposed to be a catalyst. They're supposed to be this this force field that pulls us into actually knowing God better. And the amazing thing is this, that God makes himself available to be known. God wants me, God wants you, God wants us to know him. And God makes himself available to be known. And let's just call a timeout for a second. Because, man, you're writing it down, it's on the screen, I said it. It sounds good, right? But the the problem is sometimes in church, really important things can sound so churchy, we just kind of hear it and write it down. So let's just pause for a minute and think about this. There is somebody who is bigger than you and me. There is a being, there is a God who is out there. If you don't believe that, then, man, this afternoon, go find a chair and, like, just watch little birdies fly and little bugs. Seriously. Like, have you ever seen a little birdie fly or bugs? Like, if you look at creation and what all these things do, 
It's amazing. If you don't think there's somebody out there bigger than you, go to the doctor. Go to the doctor and tell him what's wrong with you and he'll explain to you why he's sick and read a biology textbook. And the way that our body works together is unbelievable. This didn't just happen. The little buggies and little birdies didn't just pop up. Somebody bigger than you made it, designed it. And that somebody bigger than you loves you and is good and is kind and wants to be known by us because he knows that what is best for me and most satisfying for you is knowing him. And so he makes himself available to be known. God wants us to know him better. And so the application, again, when we talk application, it's not pull ourselves up by the bootstraps and work harder, but it's, man, Holy Spirit, will you enable me and give me the desire to do these things? And so one question could be, as we trust the Spirit, but to apply this, is, man, what could we do better this week to help us know God better? What could you, what could I, do better this week to help us know God better, not just a fact about God, so that we could ace the Bible SAT, although facts are critically important, but how do we use those facts to help us then know God? Probably a bunch of us already have some Zoom calls on our calendar this week, right? It's probably already calendared, unfortunately. I'm sick of Zoom calls, right? It's like, whatever. Uh, I've got to take a sledgehammer to my computer on my next Zoom call probably because I'm so frustrated. All of us probably have already thought about, man, when am I going to get a run-in? When am I going to do the thing that is important to me to do this week? Whatever that thing is. Things that are important for you and I to do during the week, we prioritize them. We calendar them. We set out blocks of time during the week where we're like, okay, i got to preserve that time because if I don't get in a run, if I don't get a pizza, if I don't get on social media, if I don't get to keep watching this Netflix show, if I don't read a book, if I don't do my yard work, if I don't do this, Man, I want to make sure there's a block of time for me to do that. And the question is, maybe this week, could you and I reserve a couple of blocks of time where we just put ourselves in a place that we can just be there and think about God? And I'm not talking about like trying to levitate and light candles and chant pretty chants. I'm just saying, man, can we put ourselves in a space where we say, God, I'm here. And I've put away the phone, I've put away the distractions, and for five minutes I'm here. So that if you choose in your grace to reveal yourself more to me, I'll be here. I'll be listening. We prioritize what matters to us. And is there a way for me, is there a way for us to prioritize doing something to help know God better? If this week coming into this service this past week, this past month, but as you sit here at 10, 11, man, you're feeling discouraged. Maybe you're feeling a little hopeless. Maybe you're just feeling a little out of gas. Is there something that God wants us to know from this prayer? Well, let's kind of look at verse 18 because there is something that could maybe be an encouragement to you. It says this, right? Another thing that Paul's praying for these guys, another thing God wants them to know that Paul's praying that he will help them know is this. That they will have, verse 18, to have their eyes or their hearts enlightened, that they may know what is the hope to which he has called you. 
What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? What Paul is saying is kind of ultimately within all this language, he's saying, man, God, I want these folks to know, man, your plan. I want the folks to understand the greatness of what you're doing, what you're moving towards, what you're working towards, what you're up to, what's waiting for them, right? Their hope, their inheritance, their plan. And here's what's kind of under that and within that. God's ultimate plan, God's ultimate work, God's what he's doing is, man, he is fixing everything. He is making everything that's broken right. He's redeeming things. He's recreating things. See, in the beginning of the story, when God created it, the first chapter of the book, man, he said, it is good. Everything was good. And then sin came along, the decision that God's holding out, and man, it went bad in a heartbeat. And it's bad now. Things aren't the way they should be. They're broken and shattered by selfishness and by sin and by trying to do life without God. But what God is saying is this, one day they're going to be good again. One day I'm going to fix it. One day the brokenness in myself and the brokenness in you and the brokenness in relationships and the dysfunction in our world, God is recreating and God is working. That's part of our inheritance. That's part of our hope. And Paul and God want the Christians to know that. Here's the third thing God wants Christians to know. God wants us to know that he is fixing and he will fix everything. Everything. And so what's the application for that? Here's the application. Don't give up hope. Don't give up hope. If there's brokenness in your story, if there's something shattered around you, and don't give up hope, because God's fixing it. When it wasn't COVID, before there was a pandemic, we should all say that word more frequently. There's something kind of cathartic about it. When there wasn't a pandemic, man, many times during the week uh, at lunch, right, I'd either be hanging out with our staff or I'd be hanging out with a bunch of you in this room or a bunch of people. Typically, if I met with you for lunch, we'd go to the best restaurant in the world, which is the Trumbull Center Grill, uh, and we get an omelet, we get a BLT, we get whatever, right? Since the pandemic, there's been very little of that, and so I've kind of had this weird routine I've gotten into. Uh, I go home most days for lunch, right? And most days for lunch, I have one of two sandwiches. I either have, and I'm a weird dude. If you've never met me, it's only going to get weirder. I have a peanut butter and jelly, which is delicious, right? Or I have a tuna fish. I love my tuna fish. But every time I eat my tuna fish, I'm like, my grandfather used to eat tuna fish. What does this mean? I don't know. I won't press into that anymore. But then I either have my peanut butter and jelly or I have my tuna fish sandwich. And, I, and then what I do is I go into our little TV room and I turn on the news. And I flip back and forth between two or three different news stations, right? Watch this one for five minutes. Watch that one for five minutes. Flip there, flip. And I just do that, right? And it is a fascinating sociological experiment to flip back and forth between two of them. But that's another story for another day. But, but man, I, and I do that. And I enjoy the news. I love keeping up in culture. But I got to tell you, after doing that for about three weeks in a row, that man, there comes like a day when I'm like, okay, I can't go home and eat my tuna fish and watch the news today. Because it is like, I'm, do I'm done. Because there ain't nothing good happening. Right? And maybe some of you are feeling that. Like whether you check your CNN.com or your Twitter feed or watch Fox News and that, whatever you, wherever you, you read the newspaper, do they still make newspapers? 
Do they really? Wow, interesting. Whatever it does to get your news, maybe you're at a place where like, I can't handle anymore because it's not good news. And I think what's a little bit compounds it for me is this reality, that the news story in itself is bad. There are bad things happening in our world. There have always been bad things happening, but we continue to be in a world that's broken. But, but what's interesting now is there's, ba- there's a news situation that's bad. But then you know what happens? There's people divide into two camps at the way they view that new situation, and then they fight about it. So, so there's this bad situation happening, and then there's all these people around all of us screaming at each other over dinner tables and in diners and on Facebook about these new situations, and it's like, enough. At a certain point, it gets a little too saturated. And maybe the situation in our culture, you're just like, you're like a sponge filled up with bad news and you just want to wring it out and get rid of it all. Or maybe in your own story, there's some brokenness. And if that's what we feel, maybe what God wants you to remember today is don't give up hope. Because even if you may not see it and even if you may not think it, God is still on the throne. God is still on the throne, and God is still in control, and God has promised he will fix it, and he will do what he promised to do. One day, it all will be good again. 2010, it's a decade ago. Can you believe that? Uh, There were, some of you may have a variety of different musical tastes, um, back around 2010 or earlier and even later, man, there's this amazing group of extremely talented uh, Christian hip-hop artists who's kind of crossed over, done some mainstream, done Christian stuff, right? Rap, uh, spoken word, hip-hop guys, guys like Lecrae, another person back in 2010, his name was Trip Lee. Trip Lee in 2010 was a Christian hip-hop artist, and he came out with this song called Hero. It's also kind of titled Invasion. That makes me confused. But Hero, man, when this song dropped in 2010, like in all of the urban stations on the radio. Are there still radio stations anymore either? Like, no newspapers, no radio stations, right? Man, on the radio in Charlotte and Atlanta and these major urban cities, this song was trending every night. They do like their top 10 of 10, right? This song, week after week after week for months, was trending in these major markets. This song, this song with this Christian message by this Christian urban hip-hop artist called Hero. I was going to play it coming in, man. But then I'm like, well, it's only 9.32 in the morning. It may be a little early. I don't know. And, and then I thought, maybe I'll just sing it. But then you will realize how talented I am as a hip-hop artist, and you will just want me to do that instead of preach. And so I'm just going to kind of read some of these lyrics to you. But what these lyrics are about is this, that, man, it's broken. It's broken. And we can't figure out a way on our own to fix it, and we need somebody to fix it for us, and don't forget the fact that somebody will. Here's what Trip Lee wrote about the brokenness that resonated with a culture for weeks after weeks. We need a hero to go in, because our solutions don't win. Education can't fix it. Mordeaux just leads to more sin. Medicine is temporary. Government seems so thin. With all these weighty problems, they ain't shrinking, they just grow in. Who's adequate to save us? How about him who knew no sin? You should go home and listen to the song because right now a bass drop comes and this lady starts singing and it's actually pretty miraculous. Here, and then this is the thing. You began the work and I know you'll finish it and make all things right when you come back because you're my hero. And you've already saved the day. You're my hero. And I know you're coming back for me. 
Here's what Tripoli's saying. Tripoli's saying, man, it's broken. But you know what? We have a hero. We have a hero who is coming back one day, and we have a hero who has already saved the day. So don't give up hope. That's what God wants you to know. And there's a fourth thing God wants you to know as we wind this down is this. God wants us to know the power that we already have. God wants us to know the power they already have, verses 19 through 20. This is what he's saying. I'm praying this for you guys, that God will help you know what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Right? This is really interesting. Paul is not praying, God, will you help these Christians have more power? God, will you help these Christians have power to fight sin? Will you help these Christians have power to be nice? Will you help these Christians have more power? Paul's not praying that the Christians have more power. What Paul's praying is, look, will they understand the power that they already have? They already have power in you, God, right? What, what he's saying to them and saying to us is, man, you guys, there's already power that God works in you and for you and through you. There's a great Bible verse that talks about how we have everything that we need for a life of godliness and to pursue Jesus, right? We already have power, and the power that we have is amazing. It's not like there's a squeaky door, so I threw some WD-40 on it, that power. The power that Paul says these guys have is the power that raised a dude from the dead. I ain't never raised a dude from the dead. That takes some power, and what Paul is saying is, man, guys, what he wants them to know and wants us to know is we live in a world that is tough. You and I in our Christian walks, we have great days and we have bad days. We have doubts, we have questions, but in that all, there is a God who has power, who is working for you, in you, and through you, and the power that's available to you is the power that raised a dude from the dead. You don't need more power. We need to cling to the understanding of the power that God already has and works on our behalf. Now, does that mean that God is like Aladdin or a genie who always works that power in the way we want? No. We know that. <clears throat> because we've all prayed for people to be healed who haven't been healed. We've all prayed that God would do things that he hasn't done. This isn't a magic trick where we have power to us and God's allowed and he just does what we want but but we have to trust a powerful God who can do all things and trust his sovereignty and trust his heart and trust his plan and rest in the power that is available to us through Jesus so so maybe this is encouragement if you've ever wondered man this thing that I'm facing is God too small to fix this? The struggles in your life, you're thinking maybe, man, my constant battle with sin, can I ever have victory over this? Well, what we need to come back to is, man, the power that's available to help us in our moment of need.
So, so here's our application from that, right? This is a little wordy. So people at home, take a sip of coffee. You guys just have to suffer through it without your coffee. Here it is, right? Man, I would love in the coming days, identify one thing that in your Christian life you wish you had more power over. Identify one thing in your Christian life or just in life that you're worried about, that you're anxious about and stressed about, that one thing. And then don't look at that thing from your own inadequacy. Don't look at that thing from your own failures. Look at that thing in light of the power that God says that you have. One thing in your Christian life you wish you could overcome or you could fix or you could know or you do or just one thing that's creating anxiety or worry and start framing the way you look at that, not through your own weakness, not through your own I can't, but from the power that God says you already have. That's some things that this morning... Man, God wanted a church a long time ago to know and that God wants you and I to know. So man, if, if one of those landed on you, and I don't know what you're facing, but maybe some of that's for what you faced yesterday. Maybe some of that's for where you are today. Maybe some of this is for what you're going to face in two months. But will you pray that, man, God, will you help me where we started to know some of the things, grasp some of these things, and understand some of these things. I appreciate you on home watching this, waiting to go mow your lawn until it's over. I appreciate you guys in front of us bearing with me when you're masked for 34 minutes and whatever it's been. Uh, man, just so grateful we can keep talking through God's Word no matter what format that is and being together, whether that's virtually or here, and looking forward to what God has for us next week in Ephesians. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing a song, and then some of you can come over and mow my lawn for me if you want to, because it's supposed to be a heat wave. So let me pray. Ah, Father, thanks for your truth and thanks for reminders. And um, it's really easy to forget some key things. And so thank you for this word today. Help us to understand the power that we have in you. Help us to understand that you want us to know you better. Help us to understand that you want us to be people who have great faith and truth, but also are loving, Father, and that we cling to truth in a loving and gracious way. You know my weak spots. You know our weak spots. And with the Holy Spirit... Help us uh, press into some of these things in the coming days ahead. We're thankful that we can still be together, Father. We're thankful that you love us, and we thank you that you're fixing everything. Amen.